and welcome to the Go Mode Podcast. My name is Herfie Durfee. My name is Tim. And I'm Danty. And and this is Go Mode. <laughs> but you already said that. <laughs> I did already say that. I thought, I, you know, if I'm the one who starts it, I figured I'd change it up a little bit. Yeah. No, that's that's very true. I, th- I think you did. We you got did it right in one thing. take, guys. Yeah. We did it. Nice. Nice, nice. It was good. It was good. Um, I uh, Yeah, episode 49, you know, I think as good a time as any to mix it up, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, some might argue that maybe 50 would be better suited for big changes, yeah. like, uh, you know, having a different person start the show for the very first time ever. But uh, no, I, to, to them, I say change is, is good to happen at any time. So 49 is when we do it. It sounded a lot like Herfy had been practicing that for many, many weeks uh waiting for that opportunity and i'm just glad you finally gave it to him i'm uh yeah i'm gonna be honest here i started panicking right in the middle because i was like wait go more podcast that sounds too short i know tim says like a whole spiel at the beginning there what <laughs> what am i missing and then i remember yeah. it's like a link to the past randomizer that's the kind of stuff we usually say right yeah, yeah, Dante, I, I appreciated your sentiment there, but I, I fundamentally disagreed with <laughs> what you were saying because <laughs> I picked up more on, on what Herf is describing where there was maybe a, a short moment of panic kind of right in the middle. So, But you got through it. That's I think that's a, a great analogy for Link to the Past Randomizer personally. You know, yeah. everything starts out fine and then the panic sets in about halfway through, but you know what? Just stick with it and then you get, you get through the other side. Yeah, it worked out. Kind it of. worked out great. Yeah. No, not kind of. It worked out great. Oh, thanks. I'll, I'll hear I'll hear nothing else of the sort. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's you guys want to <laughs> you guys want to record a podcast about a link to the past randomizer? Uh, I suppose. Okay, cool. Let's do that. Well, let's start. Uh, so we don't have a main tournament or a league to talk about. What we do have here is our very own tournament that's very near and dear to all of us. And I'm, of course, talking about the Mentor Tournament. So let's start with a uh, quick recap of everything that's been going on with that so far. Um, starting chronologically, I guess you could say, you know, after we got everybody uh, signed up and got their roles assigned and all that, uh, we had our exhibition race that we were talking about promoting last time. Myself and Dante were calming that. We had a, a team of our admins who were helping run the show, restream track, uh, and it was it was just a wonderful time overall. I have been thinking about this. Um, I want to talk about what happened, but I think it's better business for me to not talk about it and for me to instead uh, direct you to the episode description here where we will link the YouTube video recording of that exhibition race. Um, Dante, do you want to further tease this to our listeners uh, just to kind of, you know, further entice them to go check this out? I mean, I think the title you put on it is clickbait enough. (laughs) (laughs) But um, if you really want me to to tease it, we'll say, man, sometimes you have an experience of deja vu. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge deja vu experience. Uh, I think is, is what we were all having. So um, definitely go check that out. Our racers were great sports. We sort of uh, did something uh, at them, to them, with them. I don't know how you want to describe it exactly, but uh, we we created a pretty unique experience and it was a lot of fun and uh, chat was great. We had a lot of our new racers in chat hanging out um, and that was just a super fun time. 
Uh, and so, and that kind of kicked off. Um, what well, didn't really kick off the scheduling. Uh, we had a couple days pass, and then that next Monday, uh, which was June first, the tournament races actually begin to start. And so far, I have to say, it seems like the new system is working out pretty good. Um, that being, you know, pairing up with a mentor and then making a race instead of setting a race time and then trying to find a mentor. Yeah. Seems seems mm-hmm. like it's it's been going a lot more smooth so far, at least. We've only had about a week of races. But, yeah, I, I, I'm pleased with how, how that's going so far. Yeah, yeah it's I been think... oh, sorry, smooth. I was going to say, it's been pretty smooth, but it is still week one. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, behind the scenes, our admin crew has been really putting in a ton of work that we're super, super thankful for. Um, getting that nice schedule spreadsheet, you know, out there. So you guys know when matches are, if you want to watch them and kind of scope out your competition uh, or just see how these guys are doing, um, you know, and progressing, getting better at the game. Yeah. Yeah, huge shout-outs to our admins, like you said. They've been absolute rock stars. Uh, Lumaga, in particular, has been kind of our spreadsheet king getting through uh, that schedule. Also putting together a super handy mentor availability schedule spreadsheet that, mm-hmm. you know, at, at just a quick glance, you can see kind of who's available when you are. And I think that is a hugely helpful resource to try to do the thing, you know, the kind of stuff we're trying to do. Um and, uh, you know, our, our other admins, Amerith, Zylo, and Ladybox Steve, all three of them just been, have been great. I'm, it's It's been such a huge, like, weight off my shoulders to know when somebody posts and they have a question or maybe something's going wrong with, like, trying to schedule a match or get a race started on racetime.gg or something like that. Like, one of them is always all over it. Whereas last year it was like, if I don't stop everything I'm doing and fix this, it literally won't happen. So, like, having that support has just been a game changer it's, and it's it's such a blast to uh you know be able to just kind of enjoy it a little bit more and not have to be running it quite so much so um there have been a lot of new people that have been in our discord which has also been really super awesome uh <laughs> you know, obviously we've got all of our new racers some of them are are super green which is exactly what we wanted uh, and it's just been so much fun having them in the Discord and asking questions. And, you know, one of my favorite things is we have we have a learning channel within our server. Someone will go in there and ask a question. And then one of our mentors, you know, when they have a moment, will go in and post a little, ex- you know, explainer or something like that. I'm going to use an example, actually. Uh, somebody was asking about how to do Meyer Basement in the dark. And I was like definitely tuned into that because I actually lost or I, I died in Meyer basement not too long ago in the dark. Uh, I couldn't get that first room set up. And uh, Shireen, uh, one of our mentors, came in and posted their setup. And I'll go ahead and throw it in the description for you. But like four or five people came in and they were like, holy crap, that setup is so much better than what I've been doing. That's that's incredible. Um, I feel like I should describe it real quick. I'll, I'll try to be brief about this, but basically what you do is when you walk in, you turn to the right and then put your sword out and then you walk backwards uh, and that pushes you to being exactly to the left of where that skull is that you need to pick up. So then you just release the spin, pick up the skull and then throw down the Canis Mario block and it's right there. I, I don't know what I was doing before, but it was not working. But like... Anyway, to wrap this story up, it's just awesome that like so much knowledge is being shared, and it's not just the racers that are benefiting from it. It's the entire community. It's everyone who stumbles across that channel. Um, and so I just love the like atmosphere of improvement and learning and getting better that we've uh, that you know that we've got going on there. And I, I think it's uh, it's just been a lot of fun hanging out in there recently. 
Absolutely. I mean, the, the, I didn't even know about that setup, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah. It, it was much either. smoother than, you know, mine, which was kind of like, you know, get the pot up and then go down and sort of guesstimate where to throw the thing up. But right. um, yeah, that's that's a super solid setup. I think I'm actually going to learn that one myself. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think just to expand on what you were saying a little bit, it's not really only just the mentors that post stuff in there. Sometimes, you know, you've got your fellow racers or mentees, if you want to call them that, uh, posting what they do or how they approach some things. And then, you know, it, it's not so much someone asks a question and someone gives an answer, but sometimes a little bit of a discussion starts up and people can always glean some sort of information from it. So I'm, I'm really happy it's working out like that. Yeah, exactly. Me too. I love the discussions that happen. And and yeah, you're absolutely right. Sometimes like a racer will share something and, and it'll be a huge benefit to everyone. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to one of our new racers, a new member to the community, Jossum Sauce, who created a video to, it's like a perfectly like length, three minute explainer video just talking about what is a link to the past randomizer, like for people who are not familiar at all. Uh, and then briefly explains the mentor tournament. And he just made that for his friends to like better understand what's going on when they watch him race. And uh, asked me if it was okay to use some of our clips from Twitch. And I was like, not only is it okay, but like, can we use this? Like, I would love to post this publicly and let other people use it. Um, Cause it, it is just like a great explainer video of everything that's going on. So yeah, it's, it's just been awesome having so many new folks in the discord, you know, participating and a lot of people saying that they're, really having a good time and learning a bunch. So yeah, it's just been, you know, good, good, good feelings all, all the way around. It's been great. So um, any other final thoughts about the uh, mentor tournament before we move on to our next item here? Uh, the only thing I personally want to mention is we're almost through week one. Week two is coming up and I'm personally very much looking forward to week three, which will be our first mentor less week. And uh, yeah. I think that's really going to be the first like milestone for a lot of people where they can really see, all right, I did, you know, a couple of races and uh, had a mentor tell me some things that I definitely, you know, still have in the back of my mind. Let's see how I can put all of this to use without someone talking my ear off, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, there were, I think there were maybe concerns that introducing the purposefully mentorless weeks would maybe not go over so well and people would be you know, feel like they're missing out on an experience, but it seems like people, I've actually had a few people reach out to me and say that they like it. They're like, Hey, I think that's cool for exactly what you just said. You know, it's an opportunity to put to, you know, put to use the stuff that your mentors have been telling you the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that too. I think it'll be fun to, uh, you know, for our mentors to take a step back. And I was, I was thinking about this. I wonder if it's going to be like, uh, suppressing an impulse at that point to not help them for some of our mentors, you know, we, we've had, we've got some that have really been stepping up and doing, doing a lot of mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if it'll be tough to like not be mentoring in that the third week and sixth week. I think there. what will definitely happen, like I can almost guarantee it, at least if the mentors are anything like me, they'll be watching their previous mentees and they'll be like, mm, do this. Why aren't you doing this? <laughs> Just a silent frustration. Yeah. More than anything. <laughs> yeah. That's understandable. I definitely um, cool, have that that feeling all the time. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter who's racing. If I'm if I ever mentored them or if I'm friends with them, it's like please just do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if it's significantly like what they're doing is so much slower than the thing that you know that they're capable of that would be so much faster. Yeah, I I, I get that for sure too. 
Um, cool. Okay. Well, yeah. Uh, if you are interested in watching these races, like I said, we have a schedule that updates automatically when new races are approved. We've been doing a ton of restreaming. That's another big aspect of this is getting new comms in, new trackers, new restreamers. Uh, Marath has trained like eight or nine re new restreamers at this point. So we're going to have a lot of restreams. Check out uh, our Twitch, twitch.tv slash go mode podcast. And you can watch a lot of these races and um, yeah, jump in the discord. It's, it's popping now. There's a lot of good info flying around. So come, come check it out. Uh, okay, next up, we have some uh, changes to the ALTTPR ladder environment that are in the pipeline. So we've got season two, uh, it's getting ready to start, uh, and uh, Big Dunka has been great about providing a ton of transparency and also collecting feedback to kind of, um, you know, uh, make sure that all of the details for season two are tweaked uh, and, and improved upon from season one. So I've got a, a list of a few things here, uh, and I'm going to turn it over to our correspondent in the ladder field, Herfy. <laughs> uh, he's perfect for covering the ladder because he has a very tall neck. That is very true. Yeah, landers are, well, they're kind of, you know, I'm, I'm very good with talking to people on ladders, but ladders themselves are kind of like a natural nemesis, I suppose. Right. I don't think yeah, giraffes are very good at climbing ladders is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> No, but it's almost like, yeah, you're perfect to help because you, you like when people are up on the ladder, like you, that now they're at eye level with you. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so. very true. Yeah. All right. So, so um, yeah, tell us, tell us all about it. Season two will be starting, if I'm not completely wrong, on June 24th. Um, this is where the season two will officially start. And Danka posted a 48 hour long survey to collect some feedback on season one and what people would like to see changed uh, and especially one important thing is the mode of the season which is always uh, a community vote so Dunka selected the first one we talked uh, about it with him when he was on the podcast uh, it was inverted key sanity if i'm remembering correctly the mode of kings disgusting but sure um, <laughs> I, I'm so I'm very sorry to say I did not play one of these not even our bi-weekly seed <laughs> I, I didn't either but okay. that was by choice but anyways moving on um, there will be minor changes so let's start out with the minor changes first uh, there will be some changes to the mystery weights um, after collecting all the data and me and him looking through it and kind of trying to think up what we should change or shouldn't change uh, I want to preface this a little bit or give some more background information. A lot of the stuff didn't change because it was almost perfectly split 50-50 where people were like, yeah, I want more of this. And then the other 50% were, no, we want less of this. So we decided the best move would probably be to just not change anything. Hmm. But um, what is actually changing in the weights is the pedestal percent will go down from 15% to 10%. But uh, to, well, not even to really balance it out, but just from the feedback that we've gotten, the all dungeons percent will go from 10% up to 15%. So now you have less of a chance to get a pedestal seed, but you have a bigger chance of getting uh, an all dungeon seed. Hmm. Do you and know then, what why that was? Uh, it's just what kind of the people wrote in the, the comments and how they voted for stuff and how, you know, what they said they especially liked or didn't like. And it just yeah. turned out that a lot of people apparently really dislike having a pedestal seed, but huh. a lot of people also really like doing all dungeons as opposed to 
you know, just a normal quote unquote 7 7 uh, defeat Ganon seed. Uh, you also have to take into consideration that these goals are always mixed up with something else. So, you know, it's like a pedestal seed, but inverted or, I don't know, animizer or something crazy, whatever all the options are that mystery offers to you. So, you know, if you get an all dungeons uh, entrance seed, say, for example, it's probably less annoying than a pedestal entrance seed. So I think okay, yeah, I hadn't thought. Okay, that was what I was missing. Mm -hmm. Is when you start adding it to other modes, how that can really uh, jank up your experience. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's probably how this all came to be from the from the data that we've actually gotten from the feedback forum. Hmm. And uh, then the the change that to me personally, being a horrible newbie, is uh, is a very great one. Uh, Danke was asking beforehand uh, and also in the feedback form if people would be okay with shortening the time limit of the more quote-unquote casual or normal modes like uh, Open and Ambrosia. Currently every race has a time limit of five hours before it automatically forfeits you. So we have at least one hour between each race and can, you know, calculate the data, calculate the rankings, get everything cleaned up and ready for the next race. But um, he suggested, uh, what if we, you know, lower the time limit of those more casual runs, but uh, as a benefit to that, we can add a sixth race into the rotation. And uh, from the looks of it, everyone liked that idea. So now if you're playing open or Ambrosia or the new mode that was added casual boots, um, you only get a time limit of three hours, which I think should be fine for mostly everyone, unless you're extremely new player. And yeah, I think he said that like uh, in the whole history of all open and ambrosia seeds since the latter has started, it the four-hour time has only been crossed like three times, mm -hmm. something like that, which which is a, a insanely short. Uh, a, a small amount of races when you're talking about, I don't know, I mean, I don't even know how, hundreds of, of, of yeah. open and ambrosias, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it shouldn't be a problem for anyone. And what we get for that is the boot mode that's casual boots, which for people who can't figure it out from the name, it's just a standard sword assured mode, but you start out with the boots essentially. So it's just a standard 7-7 seed that you would normally play, but you get the boots from the start. So yeah, it's another which, more casual or normal mode, and that also now has a time limit of three hours. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is cool. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, the the feedback to it was all positive. Um, that's obviously why he's doing it. It just means more rando, more opportunities to get in. I also like that this added mode is not, you know, like an entrance or a key sanity or, you know, something else kind of more involved, one mm -hmm. of those more as I consider it kind of more advanced world state modes mm -hmm. um, that, that will take a little while. These are the short ones, which are the ones I like where you can just jump in for an hour and a half, you know, maybe two and a half hours if you're unlucky and, you know, uh, bust one out and be, be on with your day. Yeah, I'm, I'm very happy about that. I was a purely open and ambrosia player in the letter so far just because I don't, you know, I, I probably could do them. I just don't really want to get that involved with all of it. I like to, as you said, just jump in and have a little fun for an hour and a half or two and then be done with it and see that I lost or I won or whatever. 
So I'm, yeah. I'm very happy we're getting another casual mode. And uh, it's kind of, you know, evenly split now. We've got like three quote unquote casual modes and three advanced or more involved modes. So there should be something for everyone. There was a, a slight adjustment in how the modes rotated because people realized after Dunka put up the preliminary schedule that they would always, with the uh, six modes now, they would always rotate in kind of the same time slot. So if the time slots are bad for you, you might never get to play the race that you actually mm -hmm. want to play. But uh, he changed it up a bit and optimized it, and now it's as random as it can be with uh, six modes every day. Oh, so is, is there a degree of randomness to it, or is it a set pattern? Uh, well, it uh, it kind of because there's a the one hour shift uh, every day, so every every day it shifts the schedule ahead one hour, mm -hmm. which naturally led to um, the the modes kind of cycling through after a while. If you're like super unlucky, it might mean you only get to play like once a week because it takes a while with only one hour shift in it to cycle around to a time that's good for you. But when he added the sixth mode, since, you know, six modes, 24 hours, it kind of works out like that. It ended up just with how he, um, how the, uh, the order of the modes worked out. It just kind of magically happened that they would always be like, this is just an example, but open would always be like 8 a.m., 12 a.m. or noon, and then 3 p.m. And then the next week it would be at like 8 p.m., midnight, and 3 a.m. And then it would go back to like 8 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. And everyone was like, well, that's kind of crappy. And yeah. I'm not 100% sure what he did. I think he changed the order a little bit or, you know, made it a little more... It's not random, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay. So it is like a set pattern, but there's some, some crazy magic, math magic that he put into it that yeah. uh, makes That's, it makes it palatable. Exactly. Because he did mention that, yeah, that, that the order was... He said it was an oversight that, like, Open and Ambrosia were next to each other and he would kind of change that to make them more dispersed. Yeah, so we already exactly. know that's something that it's like on his mind, yeah. And uh, last but not least, we've got a new mode of the season, which people voted for, as I was saying earlier, and apparently Animizer won. I don't know how, Bless. But, <laughs> but now we've got an Animizer mode in there, which, you know, uh, I feel like that's probably the fourth mode I'll be playing. Animizer can be extremely punishing, but it's not going to throw, like, crazy cross-keys weirdo modes at me. It's just going to be random crystal rollers under all the bushes or something like that <laughs> yeah uh so i voted for this i mean i'll i'll come out and admit it um the, and just like you i feel like this is one that i can play or am more likely to play again than like an entrance or, or key sanity sort of setting mm -hmm. um animizer is a ton of fun and uh it's you know you do all the same things you just have to think a little bit more on your feet yeah. Um, so you don't have to like learn a different logic really or anything like that. I'll Do you honest. know about the bosses? Oh. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. I think there will be boss shuffle, but not like insanity shuffle where the same boss can happen multiple times or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. This is just me guessing, to be honest. Uh -huh. Okay. I'm okay, just yeah, excited no, be... that like yeah. we get Animizer if we can't have Swordless. We finally get a big boy mode where, <laughs> you know, people aren't scared to play it well they might still be scared to play it but they could still play it you know like yeah um 
Inimizer, I mean, Inimizer wasn't offered in the league playoffs, and Swordless was the most vetoed. So to me, those are the modes that everybody hates, and I love both of them. So I'm really excited about Inimizer. I'm gonna nice. predict that this will go the the way of the first mode of the season, where everyone voted for it, and then after two weeks, everyone's like, "This mode is crap. I'll never play this again." <laughs> and then every Inimizer uh, race gets like four entrants. That way, uh, it'll be real easy to determine that it's me versus Frostbite. <laughs> Um, once again yeah <laughs> so her if you're predicting that people will get together and make a decision and then immediately regret that decision as a group yes that uh, you know that checks out <laughs> I, I would have to agree with you that seems like something that will happen i personally voted for a mode where Dante is probably gonna be like oh god that's so boring but i really wanted ad keys to be in there ad yeah. keys is not bad i mean it's not it would be so much better if it was if there was a way to make it castle tower assured keys yeah or something if if you did that then ad keys would honestly not be that bad but when you're searching it's just the ct key hunt is the only thing that makes ad keys kind of eh to me yeah i i 100 agree with that i just feel like ad keys is a good mode for people to get into key sanity because the the kind of the nature of the beast of key sanity is that you don't really know how many items are left in the dungeon that you're currently in so you kind of have to full clear everything anyway and if yeah. you have to full clear every dungeon it's like you know not not that much harder or not that different from a normal feed you just got to kind of watch out for your for your key counts yeah that, so that's all the changes for the ladder again I'm, I'm looking forward to having more opportunities to play mm-hmm. um her you've been uh doing quite a bit of ladder as we kind of talked about at the end of last episode um are you still like really hyped on the ladder yeah i'm still happy i mean i was so happy i signed up for a race one hour before we started recording until dancy reminded <laughs> me that maybe i shouldn't do that race yeah. because we have a podcast episode to record. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just glad we got to you before 10 minutes before yeah was, same. You had i'm to glad take a, he take reminded me before we started rec- uh, before i started the race rather yeah yeah it all worked out it's all mm-hmm. good uh, okay, cool. So that's uh, everything that's going on with the ladder. Do you know off the top of your head, or could you look real quick, when does Season 2 start? Uh, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but as far as I'm aware, June 24th. Okay, cool. There's going right, to be like June a 20th. day or so of uh, of like no races where we get everything ready and cleaned up and set up for Season 2 so the bot knows what the heck's going on. And then on the 24th, it'll officially start. Huh. So the day that the our next episode comes out is the start of season two. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll give you one more reminder that the day that it starts. Yeah. Looking at the schedule, I've got that pulled up real quick. The last race is on the 22nd at 11 AM and that'll be for season one and that'll mm-hmm. be uh, inverted key sanity. And of course the time I'm mentioning is Eastern daylight time or whatever it might be. Yeah. It's daylight time. Uh, and then the 23rd is her for saying zero races and then it keeps no races until 4 p.m. Eastern on the 24th. So there's mm-hmm. a, it's about a 48-hour window or a little more than that um, of basically no races. Yeah. Uh, just a quick moment for our leaders of each uh, ladder to celebrate and, and be the best, and then we all get equalized again. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> another quick note before we move on. Um, the next season will be the first season that also takes the global rankings and the historical rankings into account. So the global rankings are already into taken taken into account for each mode, but um, the lifetime rankings—that's what I meant to say. 
They will be weighted a lot less than your current seasonal rankings, but they will be taken into account. And also, see, good thing that I talked about this because I just remembered another change that's happening. Mm -hmm. We're okay. opening up the RNG for your opponent finding a little bit more, All right. which ends up in uh, it being possible that there's one more opponent. Like if you if you look at it in kind of a a ladder herp derp kind of thing, there's one more rung at the top that could be your opponent, and one more rung at the bottom that could be your opponent as far as the matchmaking goes. Interesting. I wondered what that meant. Thank you for that that explanation because I saw that. That, that announcement that RNG was opening up. And I was like, uh, I mean, I just, I seem to just mostly lose anyway. So <laughs> that probably doesn't really matter. But uh, that's interesting. That, and that was sort of being asked for by people, right? That was almost like kind of a request. Um, I think it was just a question that Dunka asked on the forum and just in general right, in the feedback okay. channel. And then people were like, yeah, of course. I mean, I think like 75% or more voted for a yes there. So people apparently really wanted it. Yeah. That's yeah. The, my thought with that is kind of, for instance, you know, I, I joked about knowing Frostbite as an opponent in my head, um, which he ended up being. It was, what was it like? Herf was hanging out for that. I think there was like eight people in that race, and if you it was inverted keys, and if you looked at everybody's like ranking with mine and then Frostbite, I'm like, well, you know, the closest one's him. Like, mm -hmm. and it, like I didn't even really have to study. You just know, and it's like, well, if there's a little bit more randomness, even if I can't, if I win and I don't gain as many points, that's fine. I I like the mystery opponent element to it because, um. That's what you're supposed to do. It's supposed to be a mystery to you. That's the idea. Yeah, that's the whole idea behind it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, ladder still going strong. Still enjoying it very much. Uh, let's move on to a speed round, and we actually do have a few things to knock out of this one. I wanted to start this. This is not enough uh, to be its own kind of news segment here, uh, but I definitely wanted to draw everybody's attention to. It's actually an announcement in the ALTTPR ladder discord from Big Dunka. And um, I'm just going to read it. It says, oh, hi, just a heads up, as it is something we may have to deal with. Rumor is there will be an official ALTTPR release sometime in the near future. We don't know when this will be, day or time frame, and the downtime is usually fairly short. Uh, an hour or so is usually normal, but there's always a chance that it overlaps uh, with the period between our ladder matches during when we'd be running pairings, dettering seeds. So he's talking about, you know, the way the ladder works. Uh, if the site goes down, then, you know, lazy kid can't generate the seeds and that could be a problem. But the bigger thing here is apparently someone has been talking to Big Dunka about uh, an update that is in the pipeline. Which makes sense. You know, he is someone who would need to know for this sort of reason. I could definitely see a developer of the game giving him a heads up. Uh, and this is, I only, you know, I'm calling out Big Dunker because this is the only place I've actually seen an official announcement that anything like this is in the pipeline. Um, there are probably people who know people that are privy to this information, but this is a public announcement and uh, sort of our only official confirmation that there does seem to be another update uh, in, in the pipeline coming soon. So I just wanted to draw everyone's attention to that and speculate. Um, I don't have any like further scoops for you per se, but uh, don't be surprised if we get an update in the next uh, in the next little bit here. So I, mean, I could I oh. could tell you what it's not. Okay. If you'd like, it's not sure. B thirty two. So don't get your heart set on that. Okay. Um, there are and some. 
I can maybe patches. expand. Go ahead, Herf. A little bit more, unless you want to, Dancy. I don't want to take uh, your fire away no, here. No, 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 no. Go ahead, please. Okay, so as far as I'm aware, and this is all hearsay and in no way confirmed anywhere, but as Dancy was saying, it's going to be like a V31.5. And the main thing that I took away from it, or that I at least know about, is that the save and quit delay is going to be fixed. So hallelujah to that. Bless. That is wonderful news. I don't, I don't even really care about V32. If that's if that's the only thing that we get, I'll be happy. Yeah, and I also predict that I'll accidentally spawn at Link's house like 400 times before I finally get it out of my system <laughs> once it fixes it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to really pay attention like crazy every time, and it's gonna bite me in the butt. I gotta yeah. say the saving quit delay. I mean, I, I know why it was there. You know, I'm 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 thankful for it in a way, but I'm I'm ready for it to go away, like with the, an official patch. But you know, when I play SMZ three, I'm just like, oh, this is what life used to be like. This is great. <laughs> what what was it there for? Just real quick, MSU uh, pack problems uh, because of the expansion stuff. From what I understand, um, there was there was some way the game could crash. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so. Uh, what I understand is that that has been worked on and fixed, and uh, once testing is done, that'll be pushed. There should be um, the other kind of hearsay thing is that we may have an option to uh, allow specific API-generated, aka Sahabot-generated seeds or like Mystery Kid seeds, to allow the option of quick swap to the regular item randomizer uh, for people to test in goal specific races to see how they like it and form an opinion on it before um, you know we make a blanket statement on like the council makes some kind of blanket statement that was kind of why we you know polled everybody in the racing council channel at one point uh, just to kind of get an idea everyone's feel for um, quick swap being brought over to the item randomizer since it's in entrance but not uh, the item portion. Yeah, interesting. So this, you know, it would eliminate all of that menuing that we always have to do restart and go over to an item and start again. This is like basically maps to your shoulder buttons. You can just cycle through the items kind of like a Mega Man X. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's something that, I mean, obviously it's something you'd have to get used to. It's a new muscle memory thing. Uh, it, but keep in mind, like, just because it's generated on Sahabot, the way I understand it, it's not going to be a... Um, like across the board thing where you are forced to do that it will still be the normal item randomizer unless you are generating a specific race seed to allow that that's kind of what i understand but um yeah i'm looking forward to it i want to try it out because when i was first getting into rando and generating um seeds with spoilers you know you could do quick swap that way and I think that was like V29 or something. And I was, uh-huh. I was, I mean, I was using it. I was like, this is a way to go faster, potentially. It really just depends on how many items are in your menu and how many you have yeah. to cycle through. Yeah. And how well you remember the way that they're all set up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, you know, so I think basically what I'm hearing is like, it's going to be a little bit easier to use this option. So maybe more people will try it. And if enough people agree that it elevates the overall experience of the game and that menuing has just been sort of slowing us down this whole time, it could become the new norm. Do you think that's fair to say? It could be. I just, the main thing to uh, to kind of point out here is that uh-huh. uh, the devs are being kind enough to kind of, you know, listen to our suggestion of let's 
throw this in as an option but it will not be like it's not something that's there yet so um i mean i do want to like officially say thank you for that like just like kind of hearing us on that and letting us try it letting the racing community try it so hopefully hopefully it goes over well and if it doesn't then we can obviously you know take it away and we'll just see how it goes yeah no the devs are great about that they're you know trying things out and keeping what works and getting rid of what doesn't uh, cool. Okay, so yeah, the, make sure that's on your radar. Just wanted to point that out. Moving along in the speed round, uh, the spoiler tournament is ongoing. Uh, we have some, uh, you know, friends, some community members who are in that. So uh, I guess just if you guys want to look at this challenge real quick, if you each have like one thing that you want to kind of point out here, feel free. And if not, then I'll just, again, just kind of remind everyone it's happening and, and we'll move on. What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's awesome. Um, I think since it's still in the Swiss rounds, it's kind of hard to make any sort of predictions or really see anything from there yet. Sure. Uh, I think we can probably talk about it in more details once they move on to kind of the bracket round and see where where people are and how it's going. That sounds fair. Yeah, the big big thing to take away from uh, this tournament, from what I understand, and the Spanish one that's about to start up soon, is uh, from what I understand the winner of this that is not in the u.s um will be given a flight to speed gaming live if i understand that correct so uh you know there's there's that on the line um for people to you know have that opportunity to come to sg live you know if they're in like europe or canada or something so that's or you know any other i guess people who speak french like other countries as well in europe so it's it's pretty cool that is really cool um, just to clarify, I'm sorry, I, I missed the first thing you said. Are you talking about the spoiler tournament or the francophone? Man, I jumped ahead in the bracket. I'm, okay, I'm okay. so dumb. A spoiler <laughs> no, tournament okay. is is hard. That's all I'm going to say about spoiler tournament. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I was like, spoiler tournament's doing that. That's that's no, wild. That makes way that. more sense don't, for the... Don't, yeah. don't listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm an idiot. Well, no. So, yeah, that was just the francophone <laughs> tourney. But uh, that's, I mean, what you said, I assume, is still true. That's still really cool. I was so um, I was doing the speed round so quickly I jumped ahead, <laughs> um, so everyone who listens to this can get you know can understand now the frustrations that Herf and Temp have to deal with with me being here is uh, I just jump I just keep pushing sometimes it's terrible. <laughs> You're a pusher, Dante. You push people. <laughs> Little Mean Girls sure. reference for you guys. Um, okay, so yeah, I uh, just like kept briefly glancing through the francophone uh it's groups it's uh, groups of six and you have to play each of your opponents twice so 10 rounds in the groups it looks like they're just about done with groups almost everyone has 10 matches under their belt here so they'll be moving on to brackets soon but i just want to give those guys a shout out uh, number one because it is an alttpr tournament but we also have a fair amount of these francophone community members in our discord right now because I believe it was Senin um, reached out to a lot of them when we were having our registration and mentioned that, you know, our mentor tournament was going on and we had a few of those folks jump into our racer pool. So um, shout outs to you if you're in both of these tournaments. Good luck in, in both of them. And uh, yeah, keep keep going. Keep at it. Uh, and then the last one that I had here, I've uh, heard, heard, you know, folks talking about is the cross keys tournament that is still going strong. Um, that's one that I haven't uh, really watched a whole lot. That's still in qualifiers, if, if I understand correctly. Dan, yeah. do you have more info on this? Uh, it's still qualifiers. I think okay. they conclude June 13th. 
I could be wrong on that. I looked at the schedule the other day. Um, I, for like half a second, I thought about saying, could I get three or four qualifiers in? And then I looked at it and I was like, I don't really care about cross keys that much. But yeah, um, I, I, I will pay attention to the bracket, see you know how things progress. Uh, cross keys can, I mean, it's a great mode. I think it can be very boring to watch personally because it's going in and out of a lot of doors. But it's definitely a huge, um, it's a huge test of your uh, routing and uh, logic. Um, knowledge base so i'll be curious to see how that bracket progresses uh throughout like the coming weeks yeah there'll be some real titans at the top of that that uh tournament when it's over for sure those are those are the big dogs (laughs) Mm um cool okay uh let's real quick hit on gmp community updates so the last one uh bi-weekly seed we had was episode 48 we hit the red mail um, I said I was going to hide it somewhere. I didn't say where. I ended up just putting it in Ganon's, uh, Ganon's Tower big chest, which we actually had name dropped specifically that one. I thought about doing Ped um, or, you know, something else like that or, or like a giant, you know, f- uh, fetch quest chain. But I ended up, I kind of I kind of went with the fake out, you know, like the juke. Like I, I put it in the one place I mentioned, which is maybe hopefully the last place you suspected. Um, but if you went to go get it, that's fine too, you know. I also accidentally generated the spoiler log, so hopefully nobody used that. <laughs> Holy did, crap, I, time I, to go play this before yeah. the episode released and get a really good time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, that was episode 48. So episode 49, um, so as you've seen from the title of this episode, we're talking about swords this time. So I think it makes a ton of sense to at least, you know, do some sort of mode that has to do with that. I wrote down here Sword Assured. That's, I think, kind of a simple way to, like, you know, implement a lot of the things we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But what would you guys think about that um, vanilla swords mode? I was going to suggest that, to be honest. I think, you know, it might not make it easier for you to get all the swords. That might be a, another suggestion to kind of have the swords be early in the seed but how to set that up is probably a little bit of a problem but i like the vanilla swords idea a lot vanilla swords is fun um it you know how bad do you want swords you know yeah like uh it it will test you to um utilize fighter sword for a good bit most times but uh let's i'll say let's do that I'll, i'll i'll vote off on that and also to to squelch people who constantly are asking if temp is a plando mastermind um <laughs> with uh, i got a shout out coy who pointed this out in the chat for our exhibition race um you can tell if a seed has been made in the customizer very easily so when you generate a seed or when a seed is given to you that's a permalink if the difficulty says custom in that left hand column i'll be honest i never checked that I always just assume Sahabot or whoever is giving me the seed is being honest. But if it says custom, that means something was made in the customizer. Now, we always, if we do hide stuff, it's always what we just say it is. So all the ones that have been absolutely terrible, that is that, you know, when we say we didn't customize anything, that's how you can tell. If it says custom, then now you know. And if it doesn't say custom, then also now you know. So, yeah. And as far as uh, planting things beyond what we publicly state we're going to plant, you're just going to have to take our word for it. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so yeah, we'll do the vanilla swords. And just to clarify, that is uh, everything is going to be totally randomized as usual. We'll do a 7-7 to Fikan open. But it just uh, plants the four swords in their vanilla locations. They are still progressive, uh, but it will give you a sword from Uncle at the beginning. Um, and then the three other locations are where they are in vanilla. So the pedestal, the smith chain, and the pyramid fairy. So if you want to take the time to do ped and get that, you know, progressive sword item, then go for it. If you already have, you know, five and six done and you want to get into the pyramid and get that one, go for it. If you want to do the smith chain, go for it. So yeah, the, all the swords are there. Everything else will be randomized. I think that'll be a good opportunity to use a lot of the things we're going to talk about here. So with that, I think it's time to get into our feature. Uh, so... Are you guys, uh, Herf, do you want to give us an encore from last time? Because I just really enjoyed that, and I would just, I would just love to hear <laughs> no, how, actually, how you progressed. I think we're going to have to save there for a little bit. I can't do the fly whistle every time or it'll lose its trunk. Here, you know what? I It hurts me to hear you say that, but I know you're right. Let's just leave it to the professionals. All right, so this time, this this is a continuation of our series that we started last time on damage. Dealing damage, taking damage, uh, hit points, giving, receiving, all of that. Uh, and this one specifically is going to be, uh, we, we've lovingly titled it Swords. Just Swords. So we're S only going to talk about Swords. Just Swords. Just Swords. <laughs> <laughs> um, isn't swords a weird word? I feel like it's gonna it's gonna be one of those things where we say it so many times it just like totally loses all meaning by yeah, the end of this episode. Swords, like what's that W doing there? It's very weird. Anyway, so uh, swords. It, there's a whole button dedicated to this one weapon in a game like uh, in, a, in a Zelda game like a Link to the Past, where there's such a heavy emphasis on collecting items and using items and all of these different things that you have to do to get around the world. With all of these items, there's an item that just, it's, the button is the item. It's the only thing you can do with it, and that's the sword. So there's a huge, huge priority placed on this item, even though in an ALTTPR seed, and in most of them, it's in the pool with all the other ones, just like any other random item. But it, it's way more important than that. Um, now, there are a few things that you could stand, you know, can still do with uh, the B button. When you don't have a sword, you can still strafe, and that's helpful. Um, but you're going to be at a, quite a disadvantage if you don't have a sword. Um, and there's a lot you can do with it. And that's what we're going to talk about here. So uh, I feel like the responsible thing to do now is to talk a little bit about damage classes and how those work in this game. But instead, I'm going to share with you a hot take. Uh, I think damage classes are bullshit. Uh, and uh, it's literally here, on the outline yeah <laughs> and here and here's why so the idea behind damage classes if and one of you guys please jump in if, if i'm saying something totally whack but i've done a, a pretty fair amount of research for this episode this is sort of what i've learned so the game it doesn't really recognize hit points uh like one by one like it doesn't know when something does three hit points of damage or five hit points of damage in fact um I don't even think that's possible. Instead, it kind of uh, separates them into classes. So there's a damage class that does two hit points. There's a damage class that does four and eight and 16 and so on and so forth like that. 
Um, and the game, furthermore, doesn't even recognize, uh, there's a really famous example of this, uh, what item you used, it has to go by the damage class that was given, that, that was like dished out, basically. The, the really popular example of this is what happened with Mafula, right? Um, the spikes that are in the room do the same damage class as the golden sword. Um, you know, the, that's the way that they're defined is doing the same damage class because they both do the same amount of damage when you hit with them. So it used to be that when you tried to hit Mothula with the butter sword, it just wouldn't do any damage because Mothula was programmed to not take damage from that damage class. Otherwise, it would take damage from all the spikes that are all around the room. Um, did I get all that right? Does that sound right to you guys? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I would personally, I just want to say, could could we imagine a world, some alternate universe where the spikes just absolutely wreck Mothula. Like, <laughs> you just stand there and the boss dies. Like, I'm pretty yeah, sure like, that happened in development, and they were like, oh, this is too easy. And I'm, you know, here I am in 2020 thinking, man, that would be so fun to just watch. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to uh, reenact what that would sound like right now. That's about how fast it would be. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, so anyway, so these damage classes, uh, they, they, it groups the items together by how much damage they deal, and that's how the game knows how much HP to take away from the enemies. So you would think that learning these damage classes would be useful, but after studying them myself, and of course we'll put a link in the description to all of our resources and you can investigate these yourself, I don't think it's particularly helpful to know them. I don't think having an intimate knowledge of these damage classes is like really going to like get you out of a jam or help you get better at the game. In my humble opinion, I think just looking at each of these swords and identifying how much damage they do and, you know, uh, looking at all the different ways that you can attack with them is going to be a lot more helpful and effective than like getting really into these damage classes. So that's, that's just me. That's how we're going to approach this topic today. Um, if you have any problems with that, get, get at me, um, come at me. Uh, all of all of that. I, I invite you to uh, state your case in the Discord, but um, that's that's kind of what I'm going to be looking at here. Um, cool. Okay, so I've got this outline out here with all the info laid out, uh, which makes it very easy for me to take a talking break and then toss this over to one of my beloved co-hosts here, who wants to tell us about the five types of attacks you can do with your sword. <laughs> uh, not all at one, one time you bastards <laughs> I was like man I've already talked about the lead and now he's going to make me talk again but all right, let me I'll take do it. that oh, okay, yeah Dancy's up I'll it's your turn Dancy I will step up and pay amends for me skipping ahead earlier um, yep. so uh, there's the slash which is just push B forehead uh, it's really you know super easy it's the thing that when people panic in the game you just keep hitting it um, That's that's what I've noticed with you know, casual players and uh, aspiring speedrunners, but um, base damage, so Fighter Sword does 2 HP with just a normal slash, uh, Master Sword does 4, Tempered does 8, uh, Gold Sword does 16. Did you notice the trend there? It all doubles. Um, and this is, this is like a really important thing to know about your sword. You cannot move while you are slashing your sword. You are stuck, standing still, um, if you think you can move, you're, what you're really doing is, honestly, uh, there's like a little bit of gap if you're just barely moving. Like, it's in between sword slashes that you're moving. It's not during. So, yeah. 
keep that in mind. Every time you swing a sword, whether you're hitting an enemy or missing or panicking, there's 15 or so frames that you can't move. Um, yeah, it's that like, adds up. Yeah, it, it does. And that's that's why you see, you know, a, a newer player, like, I, I was guilty of this when I started. Like, I killed a ton of enemies, and I'm like, man, why is my time so so high? You know, I felt like I played that really well. Well, I, you know, you waste time. That is the by far the easiest way to waste time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you want to be almost a pacifist run if you can, quote unquote, if you want to call it that. You don't want to hit anybody. You just want to keep moving. Um, so, like, there's uh, there's also the dash, uh, which is you hold A to dash. You got to have boots for this. Um, while you're dashing, it will do the same amount of damage as your slash, which is, you know, crucial. That that lets you move while your sword's swinging, quote unquote. Um, you don't want to bonk. Obviously, that will waste time. It'll add to the bonk counter. It makes your fantasy score in the league go down. Um, <laughs> yep. That's that's important. Um, you can bonk into uh, circular like cracks in the wall. Like that's kind of more of a boots thing than a sword. Uh, yeah. But Definitely, if it's got like the the semicircle thing, you know, you don't have to have a sword to do that either. So keep that in mind. If you are swordless, if you're playing swordless, uh, or you just haven't found one yet, um, that would be um, really good. Yeah. Um, another really good function of that dash mechanic um, is uh, Ganon. So you know, there was a whole we did a whole episode on bosses, but you'll see a lot of. I- I'll briefly say. There's a there's a strat you'll see in phase two where people get inside the firebat circle, and you'll see them dash very briefly into Ganon, and it's it looks harder than it is. It's more of a thing of just getting that muscle memory down on your controller and you know with your hands or your keyboard. It's like a timing thing. Yeah, it's it's very time. Uh, it, it is yeah. it is a timing thing. It, it I, I say muscle memory more than timing because. You, you want to know when to cancel your dash, like how soon can you cancel it? A lot of people want to cancel it way too soon. Um, yeah. Just so basically, main- like you, you start a dash, and then like immediately when you start moving, before you can get too far, you just like hit another direction so that you cancel the dash, and you immediately walk back to where you were, you turn around, you do it again, so it's like, boom, boom, you just like hit over and over and over, yeah. And the idea with that is Ganon's one of those enemies that when you slash him, obviously, he he's a big hefty boy so he he pushes you back with his heftiness uh, every time you swing a sword so um yeah like with the dash thing it, it kind of negates that uh it's it's super beneficial for phase two uh you know there there's some more advanced strats that i won't get into with like you know stopping that to do a spin at the bottom um yeah. but you know maybe ask your mentor about that if you're one of the mentor players and or mentor tournament players and want to know like if you hey. want to get into some advanced things uh, I would say schedule a practice session with your mentor. I'm just plugging that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is like the next topic with the swords. Like uh, is is the poke, and most people hate the poke. Um, and honestly, it's because it kind of puts you in uh, a damage class lower. So if you're on gold sword and you poke, it does tempered sword damage. Um, the only time this is useful is kind of a swag strat. If you have gold sword, when Ganon's in phase three, you can poke him and still do damage and it's mm-hmm. funny to watch link just kind of poke ganon but other than that that that's kind of you know useful or useless rather um yeah the poke but- I, I remember as a kid when this game came out some like my cousin telling me one of the cool things about the game is 
you can poke walls with your sword and listen to the sound to see yes. if it's hollow on the other side to mm -hmm. know if it's bombable or not. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. But then the game just puts cracks on every bombable <laughs> wall. So it like totally negates that like exploration uh, mechanic that they tried to put in the game. Just kind of lame. Well, they put the cracks there because most of the cracks don't clink like they're hollow. They they want you to test things out, I think. That was, I test think out that's the clinks. Yeah, I would just, I just threw bombs at every single one of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> Anyway. Um, but yeah, like when you, I mean, obviously to get the thing out, you know, the, the poke or the sword sticking out, you just slash and then keep, continue to hold it while you're doing that though, it is going to charge up, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, the idea with the poke, the other thing that's kind of nice about having that out and charged is, uh, you know, like for instance, the Moldorm fight, uh, you are able to potentially use that to your ability or to your benefit of having the ability of not falling into the pit. Um, that's very specific. You have to, if you know he's pushing you right, you want to be facing left and holding left on your D-pad while you have your sword out. Um, and then you could kind of apply that to each individual direction. It's not something that I'd heavily rely on because if you accidentally poke him and then he gets fast, it gets a lot worse. But that's, you know, that's more of a boss's episode. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like the poke, it, it's, use, it's useless in my mind, but... It has its benefits. Like there are some very niche benefits of it, just not something you want to do, like consistently, especially for effective damaging. Unless you yeah. get fighter sword, because fighter yeah. sword, it, there's no class lower, so a poke is going to do the same as a slash, and that's very important to keep in mind. I think. Definitely, yeah. Um, we'll we'll talk about fighter sword in a little bit more uh, detail in a second here. Um, uh, poke to, to maybe talk about some of those specific moments one of them uh, is the blind script if you just stand at the top the first three hits of that are basically just pokes you want to slash your sword and then let, let blind like walk into you and that works for blind because every single hit that you can do does 10 HP no matter what blind is like coded differently than the rest of the enemies and bosses in the game in that way um, to where sword type or you know the way that you attack doesn't matter um we also mentioned moldorum it helps you to not fall down but it can be sort of bad because it you can accidentally get a hit off with the poke and that sort of messes up your flow and you can accidentally put it into rage um are there any other times to use poke because honestly i think that's like the two well, you know here's a little nmg strat that i've tried to implement into my rando playing um, the both of the blue guards in the castle tower when you're trying to get the keys from them uh, and that's also kind of important to the poke thing as a whole we have here as last point the poke releases when it hits an enemy which is yep. true but uh, if you have a spin charged up and you poke a blue guard with the fighter sword and immediately release your button you will still do the spin and one poke from the fighter sword and the spin will kill a blue guard. So if you can manage to poke him into a wall and then spin at him, he'll die immediately. And that's super quick and super nice. Yeah, that's that's definitely, uh, like, like you were saying, an NMG strat that can be very useful. It's very useful in vanilla swords if you're going to go get that first one from the uncle and be a nice uncle router and uh, <laughs> check out Front of Escape. Just throwing mm -hmm. that out there. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay, let's move on to the next method of attack. Yeah, so um, spinning. Uh, this is obviously something a lot of people like to do. I like it because you can deal more damage. Um, yep. So basically you want to hold B uh, and you know let it charge up. And then when you want to spin, you want to let go of it. 
the damage is usually one sword higher, um, and it's kind of its own class for golden sword, but uh, most 90% of the enemies in the game, I think there's only one where the gold sword spin actually does something like a different damage. Everything else yeah. is just gold sword, so... Um, Please, for the love of God, if you have tempered or gold sword, do not spin on Mothula. Like that is, I'm, I'm telling you, don't do it. It's a bad idea. It's going to make you do no damage because that. I mean, we've patched. They've patched the rando where the gold sword will do tempered damage, but if you spin with either, it's going to do zero. I don't care if there's a spike or if you despawned all the spikes. It's going to do zero. Don't do it. Um, so yeah, it takes about a second to charge up while you're holding B. Uh, you'll hear that Q. Um, there's like a little sound cue. It's uh, pretty. I, I've kind of you know gone uh, grown numb to the the cue, but uh, you know it, it's pretty noticeable when you first play the game. Yeah, um, it's like the the cue. You know, obviously it lets you know when you're when you're ready to spin. And if, if you let the button go before the cue, you'll just drop the sword and nothing will happen. You'll stop strafing. Um, but the cue, like it tells you when you're ready to spin. And of course it's the same every time. So it's almost like at a certain point you kind of learn how long that is. Like Dante was saying earlier with muscle memory. And like you don't even really hear the cue because you release the button immediately as the cue starts kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now another thing about the spin, I, I believe it just sort of gives Link like a big wide hurt box for like a second or so. And that ends up being really useful for like a silverless Ganon, um, where, you know, the idea is you could just hit Ganon right before Ganon teleports and it would do damage. But what people do instead is the spin because it lengthens the window that you have that hurt box. Um, and so you're way more likely for Ganon to get hit within it when you do that. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, some people joke about the swordless hammer, you know, so silverless Ganon. And, the the hammer is literally out for i think three frames maybe less yeah. but there's no i'm sorry there's one frame it's out and there's three frames to hit ganon if i remember correctly so okay. that way you know it's stupid hard but if that like temp was saying if you're in the middle of that spin um it's either 30 or 60 frames that it's out i can't recall off the top of my head but it's a lot longer than the hammer so um it's much easier to that that's why everybody spins because you could it, it also like keep this in mind most people have tempered when they get there which means you know you're so used to hearing 12 tempered spins in silverless ganon is going to be you know how you beat ganon today well if you could do slashes on him but it's going to do tempered sword damage because you're technically doing gold sword damage to him every time you spin so yeah. uh that's like a huge thing to keep in mind if you were like i'm gonna swag and just kind of you know time every one of them and do a normal slash it's 24 to do that so um just big yeah. thing to keep in mind there and that's why gold is obviously 12 spins as well because it's you know it's its own tier it's gonna stay the gold sword uh damage class yeah no, you're right. So I, I said that people spin because it opens up the window, but it also does more damage. So it's like, why would you not spin? It would be ridiculous not yeah, to. Yeah, that's a win-win. There's yeah. there's no downside to that in my mind. Yeah. Uh, anything else about the spin to mention? I mean, oh, it's, it's cool. It's helpful cool. for getting spin Super speed. Cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Uh, check out our... Uh, 10 tricks episode or no movement episode. I think we is where we actually talk about that. Mm -hmm. 
cool. Okay, and then the last one, I almost straight up forgot about it, but it definitely deserves to be mentioned in this episode, is the sword beam. Yeah, sword beams are useful and a burden all at the same time. Yeah. Um, a lot of runners do not want sword beams uh, climbing GT because it makes the gauntlet harder because you're more likely to hit hit with a beam and it doing this fighter sword damage that it does. So the beam that comes out of the sword is basically a fighter sword slash. It doesn't matter which sword you have uh, as far as mastered, tempered, or gold. Uh, it is 2 HP. It's useful and a pain in the butt all at the same time. Um, so, like, for instance, like, I'm using the climbing GT analogy here, but or example, uh, the the blues Isaacs, they take two fighter sword slashes to kill or one master sword and up. So if you're attacking them and you hit them with uh, a sword beam, they're not going to die. You got to hit them a second time and then they'll die. So that's just one example. We're not going to list every one of them out, but um, it's also like the bow where you can only have one of the projectile on the screen at the same time. So... If you're rapidly slashing your sword, you're going to shoot a beam, and if the beam hasn't run into anything or if it's still traveling across the screen uh, and you keep slashing, there are going to be multiple slashes where no beam comes out because there can only be one on the, the screen. Um, and we do have on the outline, you know, kind of, this is, I'm not going to talk a ton about this, but are there ancilla implications with this? Yes. If you go follow Yuzuhara on Twitter, you'll see some really crazy stuff. Uh, like deleting Ganon from the game um, <laughs> it involves Ancilla manipulation which is basically unless it's been explicitly allowed is banned across the board in Rando but um, Master Sword Beams can play a part in setting things up there hmm. the biggest thing about the Sword Beams uh, is it only works while you have full health it's when Link's at full power will say it um so if you want sword beams kind of to have a projectile, you may want to be at full health, but this is why you'll see people uh, talking about where they're uh, a hindrance to you. Uh, you'll see people in the moth fight, if they've got a ton of health and they're at full health, they may just go ahead and run into one of those spikes as soon as the, the thing starts to get rid of the sword beams. Because if you've got tempered and you're doing fighter sword damage to Mothula, the fight is going to be so much longer than it needs to be. So a lot of uh, how times, how weird is it that the beams even work on Bafula? Yeah, I mean they work on some bosses. I mean you know blind is one boss they work on, so it, it kind of falls into your damage tables. We were talking about Tim. Yeah. It's like every fighter sword, any any enemy that can be hurt by a fighter sword can be hurt by that. So a lot of bosses don't take damage from fighter sword unless you were doing a spin. So therefore which we'll get into that um but yeah like you you can't do damage to him with the uh the the, the beam but moth and you know moth and blind you can it's it's weird yeah <laughs> it's no, actually, weird, I, yeah. I, yeah no i have to kind of put my foot in my mouth and say that like because of damage classes that actually does make sense <laughs> <laughs> i was just talking a lot of shit about them but you know that's that is a, a good application of knowing why damage classes work the way they do I still think it's dumb they exist, but yeah, that's that's it, a it is. Very, I mean, I'll agree with you a hundred percent on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if if you have sword beams, like the biggest benefit, if there are a lot of babby enemies or you know low level enemies on the screen, you can get rid of them super quick just by you know throwing a sword beam somewhere 
and keeping them, you know, keeping them at bay or just killing them in one shot. If you, you know, if you're, I was about to say if you're at one HP, but you're not going to be at one HP if uh, <laughs> yeah. you got sword beam. See, you know, I'm I'm smart, but yeah, like there there are benefits, but most times you don't even really need to do that. It's kind of are you um, are you worried about it? You could really use it. Uh, we got a couple of scenarios here where it would be beneficial, which is the uh, Eastern Palace Stalfos room. Uh, where you can kind of, you know, most people pick the pot up and throw the pots, but you could use the bow or the sword beams. That's where they're very useful. And um, you just spam it. Yeah. Uh, the Meyer second room is one that people use quite a bit, uh, as well as, you know, Fire Rod's kind of the NMG strat there. But um, having that is, having the sword beams there is very useful. And, yeah, and Tip, I, I, you, you'll have to enlighten me. The, the back of Desert Palace upstairs room yeah that's the um you know when you go up the so right there's the tile room there right and then you go up the stairs and then you go across that long hall that's just one room with oh, nothing yeah, in yeah, it yeah okay yeah, yeah it's and very then there's useful the there mm-hmm. yeah it's super useful there um that's one of the benefits of rando is having having master sword or higher when you're heading into um desert palace so yeah those things will die in one hit to that so definitely useful yeah there's something really cool about clearing out a murder room with a combination of slashes and sword beams that almost makes you feel like you're playing a 2d version of super hot where you're just like you know when when you do it exactly right you're like slash 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 sword beam slash slash sword beam slash slash, you know like you just like it's perfectly like the matrix like mapped out it's really cool when people can use it effectively yeah for sure um one last thing about that sword beam that's really um you you see this it's niche but it's very useful when it comes up so um i'm dropping into cold stair and i'm at full health but i don't have full magic and i don't have half magic what do i do well uh you can do a neat little trick where you shoot a fire rod shot and if you time it just right the window's pretty forgiving on this i don't know its exact size but basically, you shoot a fire rod shot and then slash a sword uh, beam upwards. So when the fire rod hits, the sword beam hits directly after, and that counts for some reason. It tricks the game into thinking it's a fire rod shot. So at that point, with one use of magic, you have hit Cold Stare twice. So in theory, you could do this with half of a magic meter if you have full health and execute it correctly. So if you've only got four fire rod shots, you could still pull this off by fire rod slash repeat three more times. Um, again, that's if that's something that's very new to you or you're new to the game, I would you know bring it up to your mentor. Uh, I, I keep plugging that, but um, it, it's definitely something to uh, a skill set to have in your back pocket that came up in my week one spoiler race against Asder, and I think both of us ended up having to use that strat. So oh, cool. Um, definitely something that's useful that is cool yeah i think uh kern brought that to our attention in like a kern's corner a long time ago uh-huh. uh so i was aware of it i've never had a chance to use it i've never pre- like done it in a practice or anything either because like you said it's pretty rare that you find yourself in the situation to use it but that's true for a lot of the glitches and tech that we talk about and what as we always say it's it's not about how often you use it it's about knowing when to use it and then pulling it off that's like the right. really impressive like yeah. high level thing to do you know what's what i really like with this trick um just one thing you can do that's super that can speed that fight up um 
use the trick even if you have full magic if you have the opportunity and then uh when you spin them you can spin them to the left like we talked about instead of the right and use your fire rod you'll have four fire rod shots left and if you're on master sword that's a huge uh damage increase in comparison to you know being on master sword even with the spins because you can get those double maybe triple hits in the fight can go by much quicker um it's not always something you can get guaranteed but it's a you know it's something to have in your back pocket like if you're looking to find ways to save time yeah definitely definitely um cool okay so that's all the different ways that you can attack with any of the four swords the the slash the dash the poke the spin and the sword beam now let's take a moment to get a little bit more in depth about each of these swords in particular because each of them kind of have quirks um you know because of maybe say the damage class that they deal um you know uh, that i think is just kind of worth talking about so first off let's start with the good old reliable fighter sword um, which is on uncle in the vanilla swords mode um again those are all progressive so it, it actually could be any of the swords but um that's that is where you get it in vanilla and it's mainly i mean the main use to it is just now you are able to have sort of like a reaction button and as Dante was saying, this can be sort of a double-edged sword because a lot of people get really used to spamming the sword button when they're panicking. Uh, but it also is, you know, a very effective tool. You now can knock enemies away from you. Um, say, you know, I'm thinking about like when you're in the Eastern Palace area and there's those, you know, Armos statues that jump around and they're very annoying and you want to just like swat them out of the way and keep going. Um, can't do that without a sword. You're just going to have to like juke them or let them, you know, tank the damage or let them run into you or whatever. Um, but just by virtue of having a sword, you're way more safe walking around the, the game than, than you are without it. Uh, now, unfortunately, it does do a very low amount of damage. It's uh, damage class one, which means two HP. Uh, now, as Dante mentioned when we were talking about the different types of damage you can do with swords, the fighter sword has the distinction of actually having a useful stab if you just hold the sword out in front of you. It does the same damage as a slash because you can't do less than two hit points of damage in this game. So uh, all three of those, plus the sword beam, you know, they all do fighter sword damage. Now the spin is the, uh, you know, is the outlier here because the spin is going to knock you up to damage class two and now you'll do four HP. So it's the equivalent of doing like two fighter sword slashes. Um, other interesting things about the fighter sword, uh, if, uh, you know, probably for the reason that Dante mentioned about the beams not working or not working on bosses, there are some enemies who are straight up immune to fighter sword damage. If you try to slash them, your sword literally just goes right through, no connection, no bounce back, uh, and you, you've you got to figure something else out. Uh, I, we can actually count those on one hand, so I'll just list them off. Um, and I have included bosses here just for your convenience. Um, Lynels are completely immune to fighter sword damage. Helmosaur King uh, in the second phase, you know, when the uh, like jewel is exposed or whatever, you cannot hit that with fighter sword slashes. Argus Puffs, also you, you have to use Master Sword Spins for those. Cold Stare and Ganon. Uh, so all of those are immune to your fighter sword slashes. You need to, um, you know, you, you need to use a spin. And a few of those, even a fighter sword spin won't work. But we'll we'll talk about that when we get to our master sword. I need to make sure we add a couple more to this list. Um, the Meyer boss, Vidi, his eyeballs and him also completely immune to the fighter sword. 
okay. uh, as well as Trinex. So most most strategy with Trinex, if you've got that hammer, uh, obviously you have to have it unless it's entrance. Um, yep. You're going to want to use that if you do not have tempered. So most times you're not going to even think about doing a fighter sword spin against uh, a try like against Trinex. But yeah, they're they're also completely immune to it. Yeah. <laughs> so don't even try it. Yeah, no, I don't know how those didn't make the list, but thank you for for including them. Maybe they're in the like master sword list. I don't know. Anyway, um, other things about the fighter sword. This is this is a real like inconvenience. Uh, it's one pixel shorter than the other swords, and and you can even see this too. Like if you just you know hold your sword out and look at the sprite, and then hold a master sword out and look, it is one pixel shorter. It's like stubbier, uh, and what that means is effectively there are some. Uh, situations in the game where you kind of need a long-reaching sword to, say, hit a switch on the other side of a wall. Uh, you know, like Swamp Palace in the, like, northwestern room uh, that's connected to, you know, where you flood the key and dive her down and all that. Uh, a lot of times, people will just slash that crystal switch from the other side of the wall with their sword. Well, if you have a fighter sword, it's actually not long enough to be able to do that. So you're going to have to figure something else out, like a bomb or a boomerang or you know, some something else. Uh, another, so just keep that in mind. Another thing to add to that is uh, it's also not as wide as those swords, which usually doesn't make a difference at all, but it can have implications for setting up bomb jumps, for example, like the Ice Palace bomb jump comes to mind for me. I usually yeah. set that up with holding the sword out and lining it up with the shadow of the bomb. If you have the fighter sword, you'll have to add another pixel away from where you wouldn't usually set it up. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. And I'm definitely not speaking from experience. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, no, that's that's good to know as well. Uh, I actually don't. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, it's like missing the. You could call it a border, I guess, around it. Like all the things from Master Sword up have like a lighter middle where the Fighter Sword is, and then a one pixel darker border around them. And the Fighter Sword only has like the middle part, so it's shorter and not as wide. Gotcha. Um, the last thing I want to say about the fighter sword is it does have some logic implications to the game, meaning, you know, the game kind of uses it as a checkbox to see whether or not there are certain things you can get to. So there are some item locations that are considered sword required. Um, one of them is Aga. Uh, and the reason is not what you might think of like slashing the barrier to get in, although that is a, a master sword logic. Um, it's to just get into the dang boss room. <laughs> you have to have something sharp in order to be able to cut down the curtain to get in the very back. So if you don't have a sword and say, you know, you have cape and that's how you get your ag access and you're like, that's okay, I'll just do it swordless, no big deal. You could get all the way up to the very top room and then realize that you've been thwarted by a single hanging uh, sheet of cloth. <laughs> I promise <laughs> I've never done that. You promise? You swear? Yes, I promise on nothing that I've never done that. Uh, man, I'm sure I, I've probably done it. Because I've done pretty I much wanted every... to make a power play yeah. in a race, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, I it's don't a... doubt that you, you climbed it swordless, because I know you are a, a bit of a swordless master. But, yeah, do not forget that one little logic tick that uh, is, is going to make sword very much required. I think it's so ridiculous too because you know assuming you have like an almost full inventory and you're going to say aga for some reason 
and you have like bombs and a hookshot and a fire rod and bombos and god knows what else to blow up everything in the whole world but you know some hanging curtains can't get past right. those yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The lamp should be able to take that curtain down. I'm absolutely I'm just just saying. Or bombos. You yeah, you could probably look at every single item that Link can get and find a way for it to remove curtains in some way. I mean, he could also just use his hands and lift the thing up and walk <laughs> under it. You know. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the the thing to keep in mind with that lamp, though, you know, it doesn't really set fire to anything. But if you have magic and you can set fire in the opening sequence to like with rain, you know, being out there, uh, you know, it like makes the grass light up just for a split second when you use it, then you should be able to burn down a curtain. I'm mm -hmm. just, yeah, I'm going to argue that. I, I'm on your side, man. Um, so don't forget about that. There's a couple others. Uh, one of them very similarly, if I'm being honest, is uh, the back of Skull Woods. Uh, there is another kind of curtain situation. It's actually vines this time. You need the sword to get into the penultimate room before you drop down into Mothula, uh, and that is a hard sword requirement. So, um, you know, not only is Mothula hard with the fighter sword, but, um, you know, or, or without a sword, but you literally can't even get back there unless you have one. Um, now, just a quick aside, you know, we'll be covering this in, in future episodes in this series when we're talking about items that are not the sword, but if you were playing swordless mode, both of those two requirements are lifted. Um, yes. So you, you, the curtain is just automatically open. The vines are just automatically gone. So you can get through without a sword because of, then you couldn't, you maybe couldn't beat the game if that were the case. So, mm -hmm. um, and then there are actually some bosses where let's say for a moment, you don't have the hammer. If you don't have a sword and you don't have the hammer, you logically can't kill a few of the bosses, including Moldorm. You have to have one of those two. Uh, and blind, pretty much that's the case, although the cane can bail you out. The blue cane can, can bail you out of that, so it's not exactly a logic re requirement if you do have that. Um, but Moldorm, for sure, you've got to have you've got to have a, a sword or the hammer, or else you can't you can't finish it out. And like then the other ones, fortunately, you you need a hammer to get in, so that's that's not an issue. You you'll always at least have the hammer, at least in open. Sorry, what were you going to say here? I was just going to say blind is a bit of a special case because I think almost anything hurts blind. If you're so inclined, you can't just put a little Samaria block on his face and he'll take damage. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, red cane too. Yeah, that's that's important to mention. Um, God help you if red cane blind is, is your bottleneck. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's possible. It can happen, I guess, right? Um, we can. Yeah. All right, so we finished talking about the fighters. So. Hey, what what is that? What is that over there? Is that? Oh my god! I think it is. Oh my god, you guys! It's could it be the Master Sword? The Sword of Evil's Bane. Wow, so magnificent! It's actually pretty mediocre as a weapon. Yeah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's kind of it's... Sword. it's got that going on for it. It does have that going. So, you know, it's it's gained one pixel and I guess a, a, a border to it as well for its hurt box. So that's good. That's a good start, at least. Um, but, you know, because of the, the damage class thing, again, we can only double our hit points that we do. Uh, so we go from doing two hit points of damage to four hit points. Um, and if you look at the amount of HP that enemies have... Um, 
you know, it, it doesn't make a huge difference. Now, because of the way the game is balanced, you know, certain enemies are given essentially four HP so that they will be killed by the Master Sword. So it's not as bad as we're making it sound. But once you get into the Dark World and you're dealing with enemies that assume that you have a tempered sword, you know, as, as kind of a base, you start having to really take a lot of wax with a Master Sword, uh, almost as many as you would with the Fighter Sword. So it's not a huge upgrade. Um, I mean, I, I'm always happy to see it in a seed, but it's uh, it's not going to probably like save your whole day or anything. Um, there, it, It's not quite strong enough to damage a few enemies, um, uh, as we were kind of mentioning with the Fighter Sword. Uh, there are a few that are even immune to Master Sword slashes. Uh, Lynels and Ganon, I think, are the only two. Uh, you must spin attack to damage them. Then at that point, your damage goes to Temper Sword damage, and it, it will you know, count or whatever, but yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the places you can get a sort of vanilla is, is ped. Uh, that's where this is in, you know, vanilla, obviously I would not recommend taking the time to do ped just to get the sword, but that's just me. You probably have better options for that. Even if you wanted to get it tempered, I would do the other three. Um, so master sword, it is, uh, you know, it has the distinction of being the point at which the sword beams are possible. So, you know, keep that in mind. Once you have master sword and full health, now you can start throwing out those beams. Um, so again, four HP of damage on a slash, a dash is going to be the same. As we've mentioned, a poke takes it down to fighter sword. So that does two HP and a spin takes it up to tempered sword slash, which is eight HP of damage. Um, and I guess the last thing I have here to say about the Master Sword is uh, I wanted to mention some of the logic implications. Um, it is actually, or it can be part of the equation for Aga uh, to get in there. If you don't come across a cape, um, the way that you can get through the barrier, actually the vanilla way uh, that's intended in the in the base game is to use the Master Sword to destroy the barrier that lets you walk into Aga. Um, so sometimes getting your second sword is actually what is your progression because it allows you to get into Aga and get through to the Dark World. And that right there is why Ambrosia sees so much Aga because you start with that sword and if another sword shows up, then Aga is logically available. Doesn't mean it's always going to be the case, but some people have asked, why is there so many Aga seeds in Ambrosia? There's your answer. It just gives it more of an opportunity to happen. It's like we have one tick in the column towards doing aga and you start with it so yeah. it's like you're already at a the other team's already behind <laughs> team team normal dark world access is, <laughs> is down zero to one at that point mm -hmm. yeah uh and then it is technically a go mode item because you cannot uh damage ganon with the fighter sword even with spins so you have to do uh spins if you have the master sword but technically you can start to defeat ganon so yeah, I, there's been times, uh, and I'd, I'd actually like to open this up for discussion real quick. You know, there's been times where I've played where I finish Aga 2 with the Fighter Sword, and it's like, oh crap, I was really hoping that I was going to get a Master Sword at some point in GT, yeah. but I didn't. Yeah. What do you guys do when, say, it's like you just got your seventh crystal and it's time to go to GT and you have everything you need except you only have Fighter Sword? Do you go through GT and try to do all of that, or do you look around for the for, for another sword before you go? So for me personally, if I had to generalize it, I'd say I usually hope for a sword in GT, but it really kind of depends on how much stuff is still open in the rest of the world. Because if you've, you know, cleared a whole bunch of stuff out and you only got your go mode in your second to last or last crystal dungeon, 
then it makes sense to go into GT and hope for a sword in there. But if you've got a super quick jet seed and you were in go mode after you're like second crystal or something and you left everything behind in the whole world, then uh, uh, and it's a little bit of a different story maybe. Yeah, maybe there are some things you could quick swing by. Maybe like Meyer Shed, you know, if you had mm-hmm. flute and you, had, you like got go mode before that, that's yeah. really quick, you know? Yeah. Okay, that's I'll, interesting. I'll what, give a quick feel? example with this yeah. because this actually happened in uh, in a race for me. Uh, an Ambrosia ladder race the like earlier this week. Um, I had six dungeons left. It was either five or six, and I was in go mode, sans uh, sword. So I was at fighter sword. Um, what I did in that situation was I checked everything that was along the way. Uh, yeah. You so like for instance, I skipped the vanilla big key chest in Eastern because the big key showed up. You know, it was like, what's the point of going way out of the way just for that? Um, I you know did everything in the dungeons that i could but if the big key showed up you know like in mire i was gone like off to the boss like hoping for the best because it was ambrosia there's a chance that you know the item on the boss is a sword the only thing i really did out of the way when i finished my final dungeon i went ahead before gt because it was one of the last things that was not the smith chain because that takes a while um i went ahead and bought the big red bomb and did the pyramid and i got lucky a sword showed up and um, I was like, all right, well, now I can just go mode GT. My my intent after that fate was going to fail, but it didn't, was just full clear GT, hope for the best. And what's actually funny about that seed, my opponent, uh, who was Salty Fry, actually found two swords in GT. I found one in GT on the Moldorm 2 chest. So we both finished with Tempered, but we got them very different ways. <laughs> um, wow. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, sword mode is not fun because... It's like it's like another ice rod hunt, but you know that you could go beat stuff. And I would kind of like what Herf said: prioritize GT. It's huge, but check everything you can on the way. But uh, most runners are not going to be doing out of the way overworld checks in that situation. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so I guess with that we'll move on to tempered sword. Um, so this is a nice big upgrade. This is. So, like I was saying, you know, when you find the Master Sword, it's like, okay, well, I guess that's nice or whatever. Tempered Sword, for me at least, is like, okay, now we're good. You know, like, this is this is, uh, this is is what you want. This is going to kill most Dark World enemies in one or two hits. Um, it makes bosses very manageable for the most part. Uh, it, 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 of course, does uh, 8 HP when you're slashing, 4 for a poke, 8 again for a dash, 16 uh, HP of damage for a spin for the tempered sword. So it's it's pretty big, pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big jump. Um, so I actually went through and I, I went through all of our enemies um, and as kind of a follow-up to last time to, to look at all of their stats. And I wanted to figure out exactly uh, how many light world enemies there are that require two tempered sword hits. Um, there's, there's very few. So the ball and chain guard um, takes two tempered sword hits. All guards holding spears or throwing bombs take two, and then red tektites. Those are the only three enemies in the entire light world that take more than one tempered sword slash. Everything else dies in one hit. So that's really nice when you're making your way around, um, just in general, to give you kind of an idea of the strength of it. Um, and then when you're talking about dark world enemies, you know, most of them will die in, again, two hits, maybe three for the like super strong ones. Um, like a Lionel or something, you know. 
but I don't really have a whole lot else more to say about the Tempered Sword, honestly, other than just it's a nice big damage increase. Um, sometimes it's called the Flaming Hot Cheeto <laughs> as a nickname because it looks sort of looks like one. Sometimes people call it bacon, but I think that's kind of a messed up color for bacon, the bacon sword. I like to call it the Temp Sword, and that way it makes me think of Temp. Oh, Temp, like Temp, Temp? Yeah, like T. Like I, I call it the T-I-M-P Sword. Oh, nice. Well, that's cool. I guess if I had to be a sword, you could do a lot worse than Tempered. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other thoughts about Tempered Sword? No, I think for both Tempered and Gold Sword, the main benefit really is going to be the extreme upgrade in damage. Yeah. You know, the the mass the fighter sword gave you an ability to attack enemies in the first place, and the master sword has some nice implications where you can now damage some things at least with a spin and so on and so forth. The tempered sword is just nice because now everything dies a lot quicker. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the long and short of it. Um, similarly, let's go ahead and cap this off by talking about the final sword upgrade, which is the gold sword. Uh, often referred to as the butter sword. Have you guys ever heard in rap songs they have that sample uh, where they go, "It's like butter, baby." Have you heard that? <laughs> I actually that? have Can't not. Say I have. Hey guys, Tuesday Temp here. First of all, I'm sorry I borked my audio again. I don't know why I keep doing that. I think I've got it out of my system. Should be good from now on. But yeah, sorry about that. So, okay, so I wanted to take a second to explain this because uh, what I cut out here is me just saying it's like butter baby like four or five times to my co-host and them just blankly like staring back i imagine uh and i told my wife about this afterwards uh and she was like oh no that sample is like the signature catchphrase of a local dj called dj butterfingers who spams that sample it's like butter baby over the tracks on Power 98, which is a local Charlotte station. So that's why nobody knows what I'm talking about, but it's a sample from a real song called What It Like by Kwame that I will also link in the description. Uh, but by now you've heard it, it, the it, it, sample it, that like I've dropped. That is what I was referring to. That, and that's why no one knew what I was talking about, but I thought the whole thing was really funny. So I wanted to include it anyway. Uh, so so that's, that's why I keep saying that. The gold sword uh, in vanilla is on Pyramid Fairy. It's just going to be one of those two chests after you get the red bomb and open that up. Um, this problem, this one probably would be worth getting, um, like maybe on your way up to GT, uh, if you, especially if you're worried about doing a master sword Ganon. I'm talking specifically about you know if we're doing the vanilla swords, um, which of course we are for for the biweekly seed. Um, now I have to say with the gold sword for the most part, it's not usually. I've like never seen it be a requirement for anyone, even the newest of runners. Um, you know, tempered sword should be quite enough, especially if you have a lot of health and maybe like you know an upgraded mail and some safeties and stuff. You're not really your focus is not trying to do even more damage; it's to stay alive. And tempered sword is is just fine for that. Gold sword, it's not like anyone's going to turn it down or be upset that they found it, but no one is going out of their way to get this usually, I would say. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think this is one of those items where you, if you get it out of a chest, you're like, oh, all right, I'll take it. But if it's a freestanding item, like on the Zora ledge or something, you're probably not going to walk all the way around and grab that just to have the gold sword. Yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't. Exactly. Um, 
So just to be consistent here, of course, as we mentioned, Slash does 16 hit points of damage. So does the dash. The poke does eight hit points. Now I have written here that the spin does 32. I actually sort of have my doubts about that. I don't know it if doesn't. that's one. Yeah, no, no I didn't think so. Yeah, There's so only how- the only enemy in the game from my recollection that actually takes different damage from the spin is the Hinox. So the bomb throwing Cyclops yeah. dude. Um, everyone else does it. A spin is a slash with that. Like it, the yeah. only benef- benefit of that is that you've got your sword all the way around you, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, this is a good example of why I am sort of dismissive of the whole damage class thing. Is for like because theoretically it should do thirty two, but it it doesn't. And it I would be so I even knew that as, I, as I was, <laughs> sure what's that? Would be. Oh yeah, it would be awesome. Even as I was typing this, I knew it. I was like, there's no way this is right because it would literally kill any enemy in the game if that was true. And I know that that's not true. So the damage class kind of fails you there. The other thing, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but like a ton of enemies just override damage class stuff. Like they just make Mm -hmm. up their own rules for how each sword hits them. Uh, So again, it's just, I don't think it's a great way to to figure it out. But um, last thing I want to say, I went through, again, all enemies to kind of take stock of how many enemies can withstand a single butter sword slash. So like, in other words, they don't die in one hit to a butter sword. Uh, and there's only five regular enemies where that's the case. Uh, there's the Hinox, which uh, Dante mentioned. That has 20 HP, so a 16 HP slash doesn't kill it. Lynels have 24 HP. Gibdos and Pokies both have 32 HP, so it takes two slashes. And then this one really surprised me. Red Beetles, like the kind that you find running around Pod and, and Tower of Hera, those have 32 HP. Yeah, so they're, they're pretty cool so tanky. They're beefy for sure. They're extremely beefy. Um, everything else dies to one gold sword slash in, in terms of you know regular enemies. Even buzz blobs, which I wasn't exactly sure of, but I actually confirmed this in a run last night. If mm-hmm. you have a gold sword, those buzz blobs that normally shock you when you hit them, they don't shock you anymore. You just kill them. Yep. Pretty cool. Um now, uh, speaking of the Red Beetle, going back to that real quick, I wanted to take a brief moment to discuss Sword Knockback. As we know, the Red Beetles, when you hit them, they really send you flying. Uh, I did not find a lot of information online about Sword Knockback, and I don't know that there's a ton for us to talk about, but I did want to just open up the floor for a moment and say, you know, let's just kind of briefly say what we know about Sword Knockback and, like, things to keep in mind and how it could maybe help or hurt you. Yeah, like, the enemies that do Knockback, obviously, you know, Ganon's one of them. Ganon's a big one. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about that earlier, and that's why the poke strats are beneficial with the dash. Um, Dead Rock's... if you Sorry, just uh, just to talk about Ganon real quick, yeah. just for a second. It, it's because it's like a huge waste of time, right? Like every time you slash with your sword, it sends you back a good like three to four tiles. So you're spending all your time just like walking back to Ganon after being bounced away from a sword hit. So, right. you know, uh, the dash strat is great for that because you are more, you know, when you do a dash, you don't get that sword knocked back. So you're a lot more in control of your own movement. Um, and so that's probably like the main thing to say about all this. But um, there are a few other enemies where that same kind of principle applies. Like, you know, same thing with the, the beetles. They really knock you back and you want to make sure you're holding towards them because normally they're positioned around pits, you know, because the idea is they bounce you into one. Mm-hmm. So you want to hold away from the pits, hold towards them. 
um, you know, make sure that doesn't happen. So I kind of yeah. get the feeling they did the Ganon knockback to find an extra element to add some difficulty to it. Yeah. Oh, for um, sure. Definitely. Like, you know, how can we inflate the difficulty of this fight without making it too over the top? And I think that's probably why the devs did it that way, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. And that's also one of the reasons why, short of the dash threats, you if you if you get a decent teleport pattern and he teleports right next to a wall, you always want to get behind Ganon and between like nestle yourself in between Ganon and the wall because then it can knock you back even if it wants to. It, it'll just knock you into the wall and you won't have to walk back into range. Yeah, that's a huge benefit. Like especially with tempered, if you're trying to. You know, if you're not really good at the one and one, you know, the two like cycles that I'm referring to, uh, or like phase one and phase two, um, being able to do the spins, you can, you know, get two at a time, which count as four tempered hits, and you need 12. So, you know, three spins technically if you get the doubles on them, and then you're done with that phase. So it's always nice to have that. Yeah. You know, another enemy, or actually a boss that has a ton of knockback when you hit it is blind. And that, that's another, like, kind of chaos oh, yeah. factor in that fight mm-hmm. that, you know, because it, like, knocks you around so much and there's so much stuff flying around the screen, it, it doesn't do you any favors that that happens. Yeah, um, I didn't even and, consider that one, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, my advice is to learn the script. I mean, that's really that simple. We've, we've talked about that many times before, but... Um, yeah, just to say, like, sword knockback is definitely a thing in this game, and it's selective. Not every enemy does it, but sometimes when you strike something with your sword, it sends you flying back, and it just it's just something to keep in mind and be aware of and, and be respectful of and, and don't let it catch you off guard. Um, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about that. The last thing I have here is... Um, I just kind of went through each enemy and looked for, uh, you know, exceptions to rules to make sure that, you know, we, uh, people kind of had their head on a swivel when they, when they're around, when they're around certain enemies, depending on the sword that they have. First thing I wanted to get out of the way real quick is, uh, a quick stock of all enemies that are impervious to sword damage of any kind. They just cannot be killed or hit with swords. First one is a dead rock. Uh, you know, the guys that, the little mole guys that turn into rocks up on the mountain. Um, they just freeze up into a stone when you hit them. It's super obnoxious. They can block your progress. It really sucks. Um, just so you know, people are aware, you, one of the ways you can get them out of your way is if you have a hook shot. If you spam the hook shot, you can kind of bounce them several times and maybe get them out of your way before they lock up. Um, but you, they cannot be killed, so they're one of them. Um, the buzz blob just shocks you, except for the golden sword, as we mentioned. Uh, the thieves uh, that steal your stuff... Um, they do like a, a lot of sword knockback too, actually, uh, but they cannot be killed. Same with the Dark World uh, variation, which are called Piku. Red Mimics are impervious to sword damage because they want you to use the bow. That actually bow locks a few things. Uh, the turtles that walk around in pod uh, are impervious to sword damage until you turn them over with the hammer and then go nuts. Uh, Staphos Knights are impervious. They want you to kill those with a bomb. So you can collapse them with anything and then kill them with a bomb while they're down. Freezors are only impervious to the uh, fire rod, so swords will not work at them work on them at all. And then the last one are chain chomps. As we know, they're impervious to absolutely everything, including the boomerang. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, despite that one page claiming that you can stun them with the boomerang, yeah. maybe that's a GBA There's, thing. I think we even checked that, didn't we? We checked we the did, GBA. We work. checked the 1.0. We checked the English version. Yeah, we we checked the ball. Uh, so yeah, impervious to all damage. Don't waste your time. Just avoid it. 
Um, and now bosses who are impervious to sword damage. Um, Agonim is the, I think, main one. If you try to hit with your sword, you'll get shocked. You have to hit the balls back at them, as we all know. Helmosaur King Phase 1 is, uh, you know, you have to use either a hammer, which is recommended, or bombs, which is not ideal, but, you know, it may be in, like, certain boss shuffle settings. And then the Trinex heads, uh, you have to either freeze them or burn them, uh, depending on, you know, which one they are, before your swords will actually work on them. Uh, and then I also listed Armos Knight here. Arm, you actually can hit Armos Knight with the sword, but just pretend that you can't. No, because even, you can't. even with the gold sword, yeah, it's it does 8 HP <laughs> instead of the normal 16. Um, and it, it each one has 48 HP, so that's that's what eight hits per uh, knight with a gold sword. Like, yeah, use anything else, really. You know, use a boomerang. Yeah, yeah. We, hey, we've talked. You know about that. what was it? Temp said that you couldn't do one HP of damage. You know what? You can the there boomerang and the armor knights. That is true. Boom. Yeah. I was wrong about that. That is the one case, yeah, where you can do one HP damage boomerang on Armos, which is wild. And Saturday Dante bailing, bailing Tuesday <laughs> temp out there. <laughs> Thank you. You're bailing Tuesday temp out if you're doing anything. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> on behalf of Tuesday temp, I have to thank you for that. Um, here's something else I found weird. Uh, Landmalus uh, does not follow the normal pattern of 2, 4, 8, 16. You do two damage with Fighter Sword, also two damage with Master Sword. Four with tempered and eight with gold, uh, and each worm has sixteen HP. So master sword not actually an upgrade in this fight. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's. I think that's honestly a thing with most of the light world bosses. I know there's only three, but um, I mean we, we're going to talk about Moldorm here in a minute. But um, with the sword scenario, but Moldorm slashes technically act as the same. Uh, so that's that's another weird caveat. It's just yeah, something no. about that master sword. Damn it! This is why damage tables, like you were saying, are garbage. And this is why I'm a firm believer in what Vtorp said in uh, a, an episode from long ago: is that you can tell that the game was written by like two devs and they hated each other because <laughs> stuff just doesn't make sense sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, and I, you're absolutely right. That's very astute. It's all the light world bosses that that respond that way because Armor's Knight is the same two for Fighter Sword and two for yeah. Master Sword. Yeah, huh, that's that's really interesting. And it looks like Moldorm's the same. And the Ball and Chain Guard. Huh. Yeah, it's it's like a big wow factor. It's a conspiracy. Well, I'm glad we put a pattern to it. That actually, it, I like when it's less random like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spear and Bomb Soldiers in the Light World are the only ones that take two Tempered Sword hits. Uh, everything else dies in one in terms of the those like guard guys. I just thought that was kind of weird. Uh, and then the last thing that I have here is sort of a sword cave caveat. I asked Dante to actually um, record this for us is uh, best ways to take out Moldorm. Because I know I've heard a lot of talk about like, oh, if you have Tempered, you should do you know, this many spins and this many slashes. If you have Master Sword, you should do it this way. So, Dante, if you could, please, and then we'll we'll close out our conversation on this. Just let us know, depending on the sword you have, how should you handle uh, Moldor? So, Fighter Sword, obviously... First off, if you've got anything under-tempered and you've got a hammer, use the hammer. But mm. if you don't, um, like, that, that's... A, you know, we talked about that with Aerie. So... But with Fighter Sword, it's six hits because it does the same amount of damage. So it doesn't matter if it's a slash, a poke, or a dash. All of it's going to do the same. Um, if you're upgraded to Master Sword, it's either three spins, which count as Tempered Sword hits, or six 
pokes or dashes. Um, the, the the poke, you know, the pokes, the dashes, the slashes—they all do the same. Um, back on that, you know, fighter sword life, which is really low HP. Um, tempered, you can do a couple of uh, a couple of things. If you can get some quick slashes in, great. Um, three of those will finish him off. But the ideal strat is to do one spin, one slash. Um, when going for the spins, you can poke him, and if you do, it will do the master sword damage, which is also the fighter sword damage. That's where it gets a little complicated. Just keep this in mind. Don't panic if you poke Moldorm. What you can do then is poke him again. And if you do that, you will still avoid the enraged phase unless that's like you were getting ready to go for your final hit and you poked him. Like that's when it would be bad. But yeah. um, you can get back on track if you poke him yet again if you're really not that great at the enraged phase while on tempered. Um, and butter is just super easy. Slash him twice. You don't even really have to. Spins can be safer, um, and you know go with that if you need to. But two, you know, two spins or two slashes, that's going to be the minimum to finish him off. And I, from what I understand, pokes do tempered sword damage. So pokes aren't the end of the world, if I recall correctly, with uh, Butter Sword. Just, just don't poke Moldorm, though, unless you have to. Yeah. No, that's really good advice about poking twice to, like, normalize it again. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it keeps you on track. And, like, it's one of those things where it's, like... It's super easy because I've done it to panic and be like, oh no, I'm going to mess up the fast yeah. enraged phase. But you can really, you know, kind of always have a backup strat. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Okay. Well, I think that was a pretty thorough recounting of all things B button related. Um, any final thoughts on swords, guys? Swords are pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up. Okay, so I uh, I'm I apologize. I meant to read this question at the beginning of the feature, and I think once I read it, you'll understand why. This is from Floyd, who's one of our mentor racers or mentor tournament racers. And Floyd sent me a uh, message on Discord to ask. Not sure if you guys have gone over it, but here's a fetch question: Can you describe the difference in damage between a slash, poke, spin, and dash with all four swords? So yeah. There you go. <laughs> we right, did that. Let's get into it, we guys. did it, Reddit. Let's, uh, let's make an episode. Uh, two hours. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dante, do you want to go over the difference real quick between a slash? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that was so funny because Floyd asked that question after we decided we were going to do this episode. So it was everything I could do to not respond and be no. like, hmm, don't lie. We, we did this episode question. specifically for Floyd. I mean,. We, we come up with these, you know, months in advance, and it's really hard to change the order. So, I mean, you know the process that you have to go through. You have to submit the, the <laughs> official request form. It has to be... In triplicate. Um, yeah, in triplicate. It has to be... Uh, um, what's the thing where you somebody watches you sign it? it uh, it's got to be notarized. Notarized, thank you. Yeah, you've got to yeah. get it notarized. So, Herpes uh, are no, notary. No, actually, um, yeah, Herf is the official notary. Um, and, you know, because he's in Germany, that makes it super complicated for the two of us in, in the U.S. But um, it's just it's what we have to go through. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Floyd asked that question and uh, hopefully we've answered it. <laughs> um, and then Floyd actually asked another one, but I think we're going to save this one for our next episode. So, Floyd, uh, be on the lookout. We'll, we'll tackle that that next question next time. And thank you for that first one. It, it obviously was a very good question because it was, uh, you know, something that. We talked about a lot. 
All right, we also got another question this week, and this was another one from Brushy Sunshine uh, of the uh, you know PodMusical.com that we've shouted out before. Uh, and this was a, a kind of long one. They have a lot of questions. Uh, I think I'll just read the whole thing, and then we'll go through and uh, talk about each one one by one. So Brushy says, Hey, Go Motors. Thanks for all your amazing work. I've started playing randomizer, not racing just by myself for now. And I've been re-listening to episodes as I play to help with certain dungeons, etc. I was listening to your top tricks episode and about how important IPPJ was, but now with Icebreaker, it's sort of changed the game. Is it time for an updated list? Diver down, Harapot? I've taught myself a few like Icebreaker and I've been practicing serverless Ganon. Thanks for teaching me that. I'd also say that the Ganon Torch glitch is simple, but a must with serverless. It would also be interesting to see what Dante's trick list is as well. Also, what is the best way to learn dark rooms? Just play them over and over? The dark maze is really hard. Sometimes I play it and have a map next to me, but I still get lost. Is that even allowed? Also, what is your tip for dark rooms if you don't have a sword? I've tried hookshot and boomerang, but it usually ends badly. Anyway, thanks for the show and for encouraging me to finally take the plunge. Even if I ended up getting to Vitreus with a fighter sword, should have re-listened to the boss's episode first. <laughs> All the best. Stay healthy and sane. And that was, again, from Brushy Sunshine. Um, so, yeah, thank you for the email, Brushy. Lots of good, tasty stuff for us to go over in this one. So let me go back to the beginning. The uh, first thing is they're talking about our top ten tricks, asking if it's time for us to go back and update that. And uh, I read that, and I was like, ugh because <laughs> we were actually going to do that. Uh, that was the episode that we initially were kind of planning on doing this week when we were talking about it last week. Oh, that thing about the forums, that was all a lie. We come up with it about a week before. <laughs> and uh, last Monday we were trying to decide what we wanted to do and we actually were going to do the top 10 tricks. Oh, I'm sorry, this is actually the episode before last. If I recall correctly, we were going to do an update to our top 10 tricks and then we got to talking about other things we could do and the taking damage idea came up and we all got really excited about that and we decided to run with it. And, um, you know, this episode was a continuation of that. But I have to admit, I really, really feel like we need to go back and hit that top 10 again. And I don't think we should get into it right now. I think it deserves to be a, a whole episode. Yeah, so for I, sure. I don't know if that's going to be next episode or maybe we'll finish out our series and then talk about it. But we are long overdue to take another crack at that list for a number of reasons. As Brushy mentioned, we've got Dante on the team with his perspective. Love to hear, you know, what he has to say. Obviously there's been a lot of new glitches that have, that have been introduced into the meta since the last time we took a look, um, which was over a year ago at this point. So yeah, you're absolutely right. We got to get back to that list. Um, and it is on our short list. So be on the lookout for that episode soon. I'll I would say I'll spoil my number one real quick. It's, opening chest like that's the biggest trick that you need to know <laughs> in item randomizer to find your items because if you can't open chests pressing that a button that is super crucial i see here i thought you were you were being a smart ass and you were talking about that frame perfect uh isn't there's chest like a turn, trick chest turn oh yes yeah. turn i thought you were talking about the chest turn too if you want to be a good rando player you better learn some chest turns that, that, that increases your rando clout and um you know, makes you feel like you're good at the game and doesn't do anything for you except potentially waste time. It either wastes time or saves, I think, what, eight frames? <laughs> yeah. yeah, something I, like that. I just learned about this the other day, and yeah, it's like with every 
chest that you open, like if you turn on the exact right frame, you like gain a little bit of speed or something. I don't, I don't fully understand it. It's, it sounds kind of silly, but I guess if you're like a super good NMG speedrunner, you probably want to know about that sort of stuff. Um, okay, let's get back into this email. Let's see. The the next thing that they talked about were dark rooms, and um, you know, as 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 uh, luck would have it, that is another I think episode topic that is on the horizon. Now it's sort of a weird one because we've talked about all the dark rooms in their respective dungeons that they've come up. Um, but number one, that left you know the m- mountain one. We didn't talk about that. Number two, I think it would be helpful for people looking for an episode to listen to if they're just kind of scrolling through our list of episodes seeing one about dark rooms is probably going to be beneficial to a lot of folks so i think curating all of that information and rediscussing it in one episode is is something that we do owe to our listeners and ourselves to do at some point soon it's going so to be I, our first uh, gomo podcast clip show where we just cut together <laughs> some clips from the old episodes and call it a day no way, dude. It's actually way more work for me to do a clip show than it is for me to just uh, bully you guys into talking about it again. I mean, it's so. more work for you, but it's much less work for me. So, <laughs> yeah, and me. So, that's, I mean, that's right. true. I'm sorry, Tim. You better get to cutting. And, and we could bring Host Emeritus back, like, if we brought those in, you know? So, there you go. Oh, like, yeah. Like, clip show, uh, totally worth it. All, all right. right. I'll chat, let us know. And by <laughs> chat, I mean listeners. Show. Boom, boom. <laughs> I'll think about it. We'll see. Uh, But yeah, it's just all that to say. We won't get too much into it. To answer your question about a guide for for Dark Maze, it's absolutely allowed. In fact, it's one of the... It's one of the only resources I keep next to me when I play is a map of of Dark Maze and and other Dark Rooms if I should need them. Yeah, the maps Um, are allowed. Just don't press 9 if you're on SNES 9X. (laughs) Yes, that will turn your your transparency filter off and let you see in Dark Rooms, and that is very much illegal. So as long as you're not doing that, you're good. Say 9 to (laughs) 9. So, yeah, I guess... so. Just to say, we, we will cover these more in depth, so I'm not going to specifically tackle each of these just now, especially since looks like we're running a little bit long on this one. So um, just hang tight. We will talk about both of these things. The, we'll update the top 10. We'll talk about dark rooms. Um, those are all, uh, I think, coming this summer probably would be a safe way to put it. So, um, All right, cool. And like I said, we have one more question that we will save for next week. And with that, we are finished with our content portion of the show. Let's move on to our wrap-up portion of the show. Um, (laughs) Man. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Um, Send us emails. Email at gomodepodcast.com. Tweet at us. Uh, at Go Mode Podcast. Uh, join our Discord. Um, we'll have a link to that in the description. It's bumping right now. As previously mentioned, there's a ton of people there. We're learning a ton about A Link to the Past Randomizer. We're getting so much better at the game. Please come join us. We'd love to have you. Um, let's uh, let's do some individual shout-outs. Herf, what do you want to tell us about this time? Uh, well, since I've actually started playing Rando again, which is like a miracle in and on itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would be very much appreciative if you followed my Twitch account at twitch.tv slash herfydurfy. You can find me playing currently only open and ambrosia ladder matches, uh, as we were talking about in the beginning. As soon as Season 2 rolls around, it'll hopefully be a little bit more, depending on how the times work out and all that fun stuff. But uh, yeah, find me playing rando and losing all the ladder matches. <laughs> all right, Dante. Uh I mean, I'm 
doing the spoiler tournament. Um, I'm playing dance games. I'm playing ladder. I'm apparently skipping over spoiler and going straight to the Francophone tournament. So uh, I'm not in that, though. But anyway, uh, I'm doing that over at twitch.tv slash Dante with three A's in the, the middle. Um, so, yeah, that's that's basically it. I still haven't made a decision on when I'm going to do... Um, because life's been kind of crazy. I haven't figured out when I'm going to do the one chip challenge rando seed or how I want to do it. Um, I may do some interesting settings just to kind of make it, you know, pan out, but we'll see how that goes. I'll, I'll find, uh, something to do with it. Oh, I yes. want to add one more incentive to come watch my stream. I play my slide whistle at least once per stream. <laughs> <laughs> he does. That alone is worth it. You need to add the uh, the music tag to your to your channel. <laughs> also, you can you can watch the giraffe eat leaves like on for loop. hours. It's a seamless yeah, it's loop. Great. Sometimes there's two of them. Whenever Herf turns the uh, face cam off, he replaces it with the the giraffe. So there's two yeah. giraffes. I love and it. Sometimes they're perfectly synced up. It's amazing to see. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, I'm at twitch.tv slash temp underscore. I have, I'm proud to announce I've finally started writing again, writing music again. Oh, great. Sorry, I'm getting a call from Sweet. my parents. This is my first composition for temp.msu. I hope you enjoy it. Um, okay, I call I it cell it. phone interruption. <laughs> <laughs> it's my home phone, actually. That's why that's not muted. Oh, wow. Um, are we good? <laughs> Yeah, we're good now. I'm oh, I didn't, I didn't know him. if you're on the phone right now. Or no, not. no, I'll call him back when we're done. I think it's you know close enough to the end where I can just make him wait for a minute. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I am. Uh, I've started writing temp.msu again. I had this whole big fiasco with I couldn't write music because my laptop died, but I finally got it installed on my desktop. Talking about the notation software I use, and I just had another one of those streams the other night. Had some people drop by, so that is uh, happening, and I'm I'm very excited to be working on that again. So come by if you want to see that. Um, also, I wanted to give a shout out to just something that I've been into recently. I found a YouTuber um, named Matterwellens, um, like watermelons with the you know letters mixed around or whatever. And she is a, uh, just like a let's play, um, you know, uh, streamer or YouTube content creator, I guess, or whatever. But uh, I've just, I've been watching her playthroughs. She plays a lot of the games that I enjoy playing a lot of like, you know, uh, narrative-based games, exploration-based RPGs and stuff like that. Um, specifically, I really love The Outer Wilds. Um, came out last year. It's an incredible game, and I really wanted to replay it, but it's not a very replayable game, so kind of the only way to experience it again is to, like, watch someone else play it. And uh, it was just really fun watching her go through it. She's so much smarter than me, the way she figured out everything out. But uh, just really chill, like, um, you know, Let's play her. Uh, I'll put a link in the description, but uh, check her out. I've, I've been enjoying her content. Um, last uh, last thing, we got a couple of new iTunes reviews. I wanted to thank those folks very, very much. Um, we did have someone uh, say hey to the draft. Uh, that was Carlson32. Yes. Um, oh, wait, was that Wizard Vapes? We have two. One was Carlson32. One was Wizard Vapes. I want to make sure I get this right here. Let me notice. Temp up. was not as excited about someone saying "Hey" to the giraffe. I just want to <laughs> let everyone be aware of that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it was it wasn't for me, you know. <laughs> um, but we very very much appreciate all iTunes reviews that we do receive, and I just want to make sure I get this right. So I'm stalling for time. Okay, yes, Wizard Vapes was the one who said I really love drafts. Um, and then followed it up with some super nice, um, super nice words for us. And then Carlson32 said exceptionally helpful. 
Um, and again, just said some really nice things. So thank you to both of you. Uh, if you are listening, if you're a new listener to the show and you want to help us out, the best way to do that is to leave us an iTunes review. That is super helpful. Um, you know, just helps let people know that we're not a bad show and, and that maybe worth, you know, we're maybe worth checking out. So, um, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, the last thing I want to say not to end on a, a you know, too serious note or whatever is just that, um, you know, uh, <laughs> To put it very simply, Black Lives Matter. We'll just say that. Uh, I can't believe that that's considered a political or controversial statement, but here we are. Um, we stand with everyone whose voice is not being heard in America and around the world, and uh, we'll put a link to some donations, uh, some charities that we recommend in the link uh, in the description of this episode if you want to support them. Um, so. With that, we'll go ahead and finish out the episode. Thank you again uh, for listening, as always, and we will see you next time. Time to mirror out.